Hello and welcome to C3 City Light Podcast. You'll find us here in Raleigh until all are awakened to the light and love of Jesus. We hope that you find this message encouraging. For more information, check us out at C3CityLight.com or on social media at C3 City Light. Our message is Jesus, and it's been about a dialogue. It's been about a conversation, but up to this point, we've only been looking at really the conversation from heaven to humanity. Today, something changes. We've been going right through the first chapter of Luke chapter 1. We haven't even gotten out of chapter 1 yet. That's what next Sunday's for. So bring your family, bring your kids. Christmas Sunday here at C3 City Light. Our kids are going to be in here. We've got elements for them to keep them entertained. And it's going to be a really special Sunday. And next Sunday, we finally get to chapter 2. But not today. We're still hanging out in chapter 1. Do y'all remember the first week we were looking at Gabriel went into the temple. Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, he was a priest. And it was his time. Out of 20,000 priests, his number came up, and on that day, he was in the temple burning incense. It was his time. Him and his wife, Elizabeth, had been praying for a child for years. The Bible says they were very old in age. And Gabriel shows up on the scene and tells him he's about to have a son that would be a forerunner that would prepare the way for the Messiah, Jesus. It's incredibly important to the context of this that we realize it had been 400 years of silence. 400 years without an angel speaking, 400 years without the Holy Spirit speaking through a prophet, 400 years of silence. Come on, after like 100 years, you know, people would still remember, no, I remember my granddad, my granddad got a word, my granddad saw an angel, or my great-granddad, I heard the story of in the temple when he came, oh, my great-granddad, he knew Malachi, well, 400 years, these stories had kind of faded. You know, they still had the stories of Moses and Abraham, and they still had this history. But this firsthand or secondhand or thirdhand knowledge, it had 400 years of silence. And here's the man of God in the temple. We've been praying, we've been seeking, we've been believing for a kid. Nothing, silence. Not just the 400 years, but the last 40 years of silence, right? Silence, all this silence. And Gabriel says, no, 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 don't worry about that. You're about, she, Elizabeth's about to have a baby, and he is going to be a forerunner for Jesus. He's going to be out there saying, prepare the way. You better get ready. It's happening. And man of God, Zechariah, full of doubt, how can this be? I'm old. She's old. It ain't happening. Gabriel shuts his mouth, and he's silent. He's silent. We see today that he's silent for nine months. It's amazing to me. He leaves the temple. Elizabeth gets pregnant. Come on, she's pregnant. John the Baptist is hanging out. But he knew that baby was supposed to be called John, Gabriel told him. Same thing was revealed to Elizabeth. But this story so beautiful to me. That's where we're going to pick up in right after he's born. It's so beautiful to me because God's speaking in the silence. Some of us in this room, me included, I would struggle to stay silent for 90 seconds. All right? Anybody like that? You want me to be quiet? I always lost that game in school. Let's play the silent game. No, teacher, you're trying to hustle me. I know what you're doing. You can't shut me up. No, we ain't playing the silent game, right? I, we get that. But nine months of not talking? I love silence, though, because there's a contemplate. There's a place for silence. There's a place for it. And I love early in the morning when it's quiet and it's still before the Lord. In the silence, we can reflect. Come on, the last opportunity he had to be in front of angelic host Gabriel, he blew it. He was full of doubt. He was like, what? No, no way, right? Nine months thinking about that last moment. 
But he didn't let his history affect his future. He dwelled on it. He thought about it. He got his heart in alignment. And when that baby was born, John the Baptist was born, they waited eight days in keeping with the customs. Then he was circumcised, and that's when the baby was named. So all the neighbors get around Elizabeth. What are we going to name this baby? Y'all going to call him Zachariah Jr.? What y'all going to call him? His name is going to be John. Why are you going to call him John? No one in the family's named John. Why is he going to be called John? Because it meant grace of God. Grace is upon this kid. Like, God told us. But, and then they get to Zachariah. He can't talk. He can't talk. What you going to name that boy? They didn't have sign language. What they did, they got a tablet out, and he wrote down John. And as soon as he wrote down John, as soon as he brought this situation into alignment with God, he got his voice back. The whole time that baby was growing in her womb, this word of God was growing. This seed of God was growing in him. She was carrying John the Baptist. He was carrying a word of God. This baby's going to be born. Nine months of silence, nine months in that womb, that spiritual womb. And this is what happens when God opens up his mouth. If you've got your Bible, Luke chapter 1, we will pick up at verse 67. This is called Zechariah's song. This is what happened. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he began to prophesy. He prophesied, right? He revealed something. Heaven revealed something to him. Then he opened up his mouth, and he declared it into the future. It hadn't happened yet. That's what prophecy is. You're declaring something into the future that's been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Here we go. Verse 68, praise be to the Lord, to the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation in the house of, Dave, uh, the house of his servant David. And as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant and the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of his tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in the darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. In verse 80, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until that he appeared publicly to Israel. This story is amazing to me. One, like he's singing that. I won't, I won't do y'all solid. I wasn't going to sing that to you. Come on, I want y'all to stay and not leave and run out of here. He finally gets his voice back after nine months of silence. And what comes out? These declarations. And, man, I'm telling you, these are strong sauce. Like, that's hot sauce. Like, that will preach. And we're going to break down these declarations that he begins to declare. But I'm telling you, these declarations came from questions. Questions in his heart of nine months of silence. Just like that baby was growing, his faith was growing. And here's a guy who spent his whole life as a priest but his faith was still growing. We never graduate with Jesus. And sure, when we get to heaven, I guess technically that would be like a graduation. But here on earth, we're not graduating. We're going from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. God's always teaching us something new. So even though this guy was a priest and knew the Lord and had a walk with them, he still had doubt. And nine months of silence, God begins to reveal things to him. And now he gets in alignment with what God's doing, with what heaven's doing. 
And here's what we see. A faith conversation begins. At C3 City Light, we're all about faith conversations. That's the whole premise of a dinner party. We join together for dinner, and then we have a conversation. It's not one-sided. It's a dialogue. It's two-sided. And so up to this point, we've primarily seen heaven speaking, heaven speaking, heaven speaking. But now we see heaven is speaking, but it's speaking through humanity. This is a revelation that Zechariah was getting. And it's powerful. And so today, we are going to unpack. We're going to unpack a few things that Zechariah declared. And look, these declarations, the goal of these declarations, I'm going to boil it down to a question that we can wrestle with with our heart. It's not walking with Jesus is not just about head knowledge. That's incredibly important. But you can be super intelligent and wicked as can be. Right? It's not just about our head knowledge. It's about that we've internalized it in its heart knowledge. It's done something. It, we've experienced something. We've changed. We've crossed over from death to life. We've changed. And so we're going to look at these declarations of Zechariah, and we're going to boil it down to a question to try to put handles on this truth so that we can answer these questions. The first declaration we see, Zechariah says, I believe in God's redemption and salvation, verse 68, 69. These words are weighty, man. Redemption, salvation. It's so easy in our culture to just say words and regurgitate them, but never really boil it down to what that word means. And I want to just do that very quickly. Redemption, redeeming. That word means it refers to the way in which God has purchased us back, ransomed us back. Thank the Lord that in the United States, slavery is stopped. There's still places in the world where slavery exists. And look, even in America, there's still slavery, sex slavery. Like that's still going on, right? We got to stay woke. We got to be aware of that. There's still things going on. But it's not like it used to be. And when this was written, and those words, when they said redemption, when they said ransom us back, people didn't have to, well, now what is that? They could open up their eyes and see slaves on the street. They could open up, we know exactly what redemption means. When Zechariah says redeeming, God's going to redeem us, he's going to buy us back. He's going to purchase back our freedom. That's what redemption means. And then that word right there, salvation, like saving, it's how we've been delivered from this terrible ending that was going to happen. Like the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Salvation keeps us from that terrible end. But it's not just salvation from hell and damnation and fire, hell, fire, and brimstone. It's salvation from ourselves. Left alone, we're going to mess it up. Like left alone, we are going to hijack God's plan and where he's trying to get us to, green pastures, and we're going to go to the wilderness and just hang out and like build up residence and just hang out. That's not God's plan. God is saving us not only from hell, but from ourself. Sin gets in and enslaves us and it traps us. So here's Zechariah talking about salvation, redemption. God is going to redeem us. And he uses these words of redemption and salvation. And he's talking about God's going to send his son to redeem us. So here's my question. What do you believe about your eternity? Is it based on your good works? Is it based on you being a good person, giving money to the SPCA, and I adopted a pet, so, you know, like I'm doing my part. When I'm in the parking lot, I see trash, I pick it up. I always sort my compost and my recycle and my trash. I'm a good person. I should get into a good heaven, right? Wrong. That's a great answer. It's just not a biblical one, right? 
none of us are good, honestly. Like our good works is like a filthy rag in the sight of the Lord. Why? Because he was completely perfect. He came from heaven to earth through the form of a virgin birth. The Holy Spirit hovered over Mary, and Jesus was perfect. He was tempted, and everything we've been tempted with, he was tempted. But he was perfect and blameless. And so he's the only one that can offer salvation. So our question for you today is, what do you believe about your eternity? Like, do you believe in the saving power of God? That's something we don't want to just theolog- like theoretically believe in. Theologically, oh, it's important that God says We want to put handles on it, experience and live it. We want to, you better believe God saves. He did it in my heart. I know it. I can believe it. I'm following, right? Second thing we see from Zechariah, he says, I believe in the trustworthiness of God's promises. He goes old school. He goes back to the oath. He goes back to the covenant, and he uses that language with Abraham. Hey, how God said he was going to bless Abraham to be a blessing to the nations, I believe it. It's going to happen. God promised us land. God promised us blessings. God promised us salvation. He promised all through this lineage of Abraham. And Zechariah goes back. Oath, covenant. He believed in the trustworthiness of God's promises. I think so many times we've gotten deceived in our life. Oh, God doesn't want to bless me. God doesn't have a promise for me. God doesn't have a plan for me. He's got it for that person. He's got it for Terrence. Come on, he can sing. Like God's going to bless him, right? Oh, he's got it for Miss Deborah. God's going to bless. He's got it for you. He's got it for my coworker. Oh, but he doesn't have it for me. And so we've got to wrestle with this question, what do you, you, personally, what do you believe about God's promises? What do you believe about Jesus? To me, I love the story of Jesus because it tells me I'm valuable. It tells me that you're valuable. Humanity is valuable. We can't just discard people because they're homeless or discard people because they blew up and messed up their life. Or we can't just discard people because they're enslaved to an addiction. We can't just just discard people and throw them to the side because they're really sick and we want to just put them in, oh, forget them. Like, no, people are valuable. We're made in the image of God. People are so valuable that heaven gave the best it had, Jesus to ransom people, humanity. So you're worthy to receive these promises because God did all the hard work. He did all the heavy lifting. He lived perfectly. That's hard. He did it for us. But the question is, what do you believe about the promises of God? Are they just for your neighbor? Are they for you too? Because I'm telling you, you're valuable. You're beautiful. You're made in the image of God. You've got a purpose and a destiny that only you can fulfill on earth, and God wants to use you. You're that valuable. The third thing we see from Zechariah, he believed in the future greatness of his son. We see it in verse 76 and 70, son. Most high, he's going to be a servant of the most high. He's going to have a legacy. What do you believe about your children? What do you believe about the young people in your life? All my teachers, what do you believe about the students that are in your room? What do you believe about their purpose and their destiny and where they're going? What do you believe? I love that Zachariah was future-focused. Future-focused. He didn't let his history of, man, I blew it with Gabriel. I totally did not believe, and they shut me up for nine months. He didn't stay in that place of guilt, shame, condemnation. God can't use me anymore. I blew it. No. He was future-focused. 
these future generations. Man, my son's going to be blessed. He is a servant of the most high God. God's going to use it. It's going to far exceed what I can do. What are we believing about the next generation? Oh, God help us. The millennials are going to ruin the world. Every time I cut on Facebook, there's an article about millennials blowing it. Oh, heaven forbid we talk about Generation Z, right? Like, oh, their attention spans two seconds. Up, oh, it's done. I'm telling you, God's got a purpose and a destiny for this next generation. They're going to stand on our shoulders, and they're going to see the goodness of God. They're going to stand on our shoulders and how we've discipled and how we've trained and how we've helped them, and they are going to bring revival. They're going to do something amazing. What do we believe about the next generation? It's an important question. The gospel never has a dead end in our life. It doesn't dead end. It's not a cul-de-sac of our soul and the gospel comes in and stops. No, it's an expressway. The gospel comes in and then we get equipped and then we become disciples and we start making disciples. The gospel does not have a dead end in the cul-de-sac of our soul. It keeps going. What are you handing off that God's giving you to the next generation? Because if you don't believe they got a purpose and they don't have, you're never going to leave a legacy. Why? Because it takes time. It takes work. It takes commitment. And if you don't think it's important, we won't do it. We won't. But when we start to realize and get a revelation like Zechariah, you know, John's going to do something great. And I've got an opportunity to ask his father to steward him, to help him, to help him connect with the Lord. Like, and basically, all he had to do was just not mess him up, man. The Lord did the heavy lifting, right? Last point, as the band comes, Zachariah says this, and this is really what Christmas is all about. This is what the message of heaven is all about. Our message is Jesus, and we see it right here in this faith conversation from Zachariah. Verse 78, 79, he says, I believe in the coming Messiah. He had read it in the prophets. He had seen it on the tablets. He had heard about it. There's one coming. There's one coming from the line of David whose throne will never have an end. He will deliver his people. Come on, like as this is being said, they're looking around and they're, they're occupied by Rome, right? They're not even living this, right? But they're believing, no, someone's coming. We're going to get back the land for all eternity. He's going to rule and reign over the earth. And there's all these messianic prophecies. And here's Zechariah coming into this place. I know the Old Testament promised it, but now I'm putting handles on it. I'm grabbing a hold of it. We believe in the coming of the Messiah. God left heaven, came to earth. Jesus left his throne, came to earth. As humble as that can be in a manger, wrapped in clothes, didn't even have a hotel room, didn't even have a hospital room at Rex or Wake Med. None of that. None of that. Didn't even have a doula. None of that. He's just in a manger. Figure it out, Mary. Good luck. Let that donkey help you. I don't know. It's not in the Bible. I don't know how that worked out. But figure it out. I mean, how the king of heaven that sits on above all throne, here he is and takes just this lowly place of humanity. What a humble beginning. That's why the Bible says never despise the day of small beginnings. Because if you did, you would have despised Jesus' birth. And you would have totally missed it like most of the people here. He can't be the Messiah. He came from Galilee. Can any good thing come from Galilee? No. It's way up north, way up away from Jerusalem, way up in the boondocks, right by Egypt. It's way up there. It's not near Egypt. It's just the expression. What good thing can come from Galilee? And it was he took on humanity. 
Come on, remember queso, queso con carne in the flesh? He took on humanity. Jesus took on flesh and revealed the living word of God, demonstrated what it looked like so we could see God for ourselves. Emmanuel, God with us. So here's the final question. And it really is the question in this faith conversation that it all boils down to. It's quite straightforward. What do you believe about Jesus? Was he simply a good man? Was he simply a great prophet, a great teacher, a great rabbi? Or was he the son of God who offered God has offered salvation through him? Where we can have redemption of our sins, salvation from our sins, and for all eternity we can spend the life with God because of what Jesus did for us. It really is just about that question. What do you believe about Jesus? Because I'm telling you, when we begin to follow him, we'll follow him on this journey and on this way to peace. When you can face anything that this world has and you can still have a peace that's unshakable. You can have a peace that, you know what, this isn't good, but God's still good. God's character's still good, even though I'm going through this. And you can do that through Jesus. So my question today is, what do you think about Jesus? What do you do with Jesus? Did he live? Did he come? Did he die? Did he raise from the grave? Did he prove everything he claimed to be, not just the teacher, but the Messiah, the hope of salvation, the one who would save his people from the enemy, sin, death, destruction? We hope that you have been inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more info or to connect with us, check us out at c3citylight.com.